Alexandra Quink and the Stars Above by Inverarity Read by Sam Gabriel Chapter 12 Vengeance Beneath a dark cloak, Mary Dearborn was still wearing her blue and yellow robes, but they were soaking wet now. The younger girl's cloak evidently did not have a weatherproof charm. She was drenched and shivering. I told you to keep this between you and me, Alexandra said. I didn't want to hurt anyone else, Mary said. He wouldn't leave. Alexandra watched the tip of Mary's wand. Larry came with you? No, I was waiting for you. I was hoping you'd get here first. Alex, Anna said in a tight voice. A screech caused Mary to jerk her wand away from Alexandra. She screamed as an owl hurtled out of the sky at her. She tumbled to the ground. Jingwei launched herself back into the air and circled around. Alexandra yelled, Anna, call Jingwei off! What? Anna exclaimed. Alexandra strode over to Mary, who sprang back to her feet with surprising speed. She pressed the hand, clutching the mistletoe wands to her face, where Jingwei had slashed her, while she pointed the other wand at Alexandra. In the darkness and the rain, Alexandra could see blood running down Mary's face. The girl's eyes were dark and glittering as she said, Stay right there, or I'll kill you. Will you? Alexandra's voice turned cold and hard. Go ahead and try. But if you point your wand anywhere else, I'll strike you down. I'll strike you down. Mary's eyes widened and her wand trembled. Like you struck down my sister? What did you do to Larry? I... I told him to go away. I said I wanted to duel you. He laughed at me. Then he told me to go inside. He wouldn't leave, so I cursed him. Alexandra would have laughed if the situation weren't so unfunny. You used that mistletoe wand? Behind her, Larry's groan was almost drowned out by the patter of rain. Alexandra called to Anna. Anna, can you take Larry back inside? What, carry him? Anna's voice was like a taut wire about to break. You know my levitation spell isn't that good, and I'm not leaving you here. Alexandra stared at the girl in front of her. So what's the plan, Mary? Mary swallowed. You have to pay. You have to pay for killing Darla. Alexandra heard Anna move, and she said, Stay back, Anna. Alex, stay there! The bark of her command made even Mary jump. She heard flapping, and said in a more normal tone of voice, Charlie, stay away. Mary's eyes darted upward, then behind Alexandra to where Anna stood. Forget her, Mary. Alexandra said, this is between you and me. And turning her head only slightly, without taking her eyes off of Mary, she said, Anna, trust me, no matter what, this is between Mary and me. Mary lowered the hand, holding the mistletoe wand. There was a long gash across her cheek, oozing blood that looked black in the darkness, turning the side of her face dark and glistening. You killed Darla, she said. She was trembling more violently. Alexandra shook her head. No matter how many times you say that, it's not true. You're a liar! Mary shouted. How do you know you weren't there? Mary glared at her silently. Did you set that murder of crows on me and send me the cursed letter? Alexandra asked. I would have, Mary said fiercely, if I could. So who did? 
Mary didn't answer. It was John, wasn't it? John Mamolito. Mary's eyes widened. Is he here? Suddenly Alexandra's nerves prickled like ice. If Mary had lured her out here to face John, they were all in serious danger. No, Mary said. He went back to the Indian territories. He said we failed. He said I failed. He wasn't going to help me anymore. She sniffed, and the tip of her wand bobbed up and down. Larry groaned again. Anna said, Alex, what are we going to do? What are we going to do, Mary? Alexandra asked. You didn't really think you could duel me, did you? Do you want to hit me with that mistletoe wand? Will that make you feel better? Mary clenched her teeth. I want to kill you. Anna uttered a desperate sound, like a moan, and Larry mumbled something. Alexandra kept her eyes on Mary. How do you plan to kill me? Mary whispered. I know the killing curse. Alexandra didn't move. You don't believe me, do you? Mary jammed her wand at Alexandra. I practiced over the summer. I finally made it work. Her voice choked. Tears spilled out of her eyes. It worked on grasshoppers and fish. Alexandra said, People are different. Mary's voice gained strength. I know. You have to really want to kill a person. Is that really what you want? To be a murderer? Mary's mouth opened, but it took her several seconds to respond, with considerably less conviction than before. For Darla. Alexandra's eyes never left Mary's. They stood facing each other, wands at the ready, for a moment that seemed to go on and on. No one moved, and even Larry was silent. There was only the sound of the rain pouring down on everyone. Finally, Alexandra said, Okay. She slowly held out her wand. Mary's grip on her wand tightened. Alexandra opened her hand, letting her wand fall to the ground. Anna cried out behind her. Mary's eyes followed the wand, then moved back to Alexandra's face. She gulped. You don't think I'll do it, do you? I think you might. But you don't really want to. And it won't bring Darla back. Mary made another choking sound. Darla didn't want to hurt anyone either, Alexandra said. She'd want me to avenge her. I don't think so. Alexandra lowered her voice so that Mary had to concentrate to hear her. I think she'd want you to live more than anything else. Not destroy your life like this. What do you know? Mary shouted. I know she'd have done anything to protect you. What do you know? Mary looked at her numbly. You don't know anything, do you? Alexandra said. Except what John told you. He lied to Darla. He lied to you, too. Mary squeezed her eyes into slits and steadied her wand. Do it, then, Alexandra said. Mary gulped a great breath of air. The rain was beating against them both, and blood was still pouring down her face from the slash Jingwei had inflicted. Do you remember the words? Alexandra stepped closer, until the tip of Mary's wand almost touched her chest. It's Avada Kedavra. Anna gasped, No! in a high-pitched, terrified voice. 
Mary opened her mouth, but the deadly words didn't come out. She made a keening sound as her face crumpled. Alexandra didn't say anything and didn't move. Larry moaned. What is... Are you planning to kill them too? Alexandra asked. Or just run off into the woods after killing me? What are you going to do then? Join the Dark Convention? Shut up! Mary's face had melted into misery and despair. Her arm drooped, as if her wand had become too heavy to hold. It's your fault! It's your fault Darla is dead! She sank to her knees. I miss Darla! I want her back! Her hand fell to her side. So the tip of her wand rested in the mud, inches from Alexandra's. She began sobbing. The rain continued to fall on them. Alexandra's head was unprotected by her cloak. Her hair was plastered to her head, and water was running down her neck. Mary was a bedraggled little thing, a bright splash of color shivering pathetically at her feet. Alexandra stooped over, slowly, and picked up both her own wand and the mistletoe wand Mary had dropped. Come on, she said. We're going back inside. Merlin, it hurts, Larry gasped. He had one arm slung over Alexandra's shoulder and one arm slung over Anna's. He was having trouble walking, and the two girls were practically dragging him across the lawn. Anna had barely said a word. Mary trudged along ahead of them, mechanically, her eyes fixed on the ground. Jingwei glided in a slow circle around the group. Alexandra had sent Charlie ahead to warn them if anyone was lingering near the academy. We're almost to the school, Alexandra said. I told you I could levitate you. Hell no, Larry said. You're in so much trouble. You know that, right? Then he stiffened, and Alexandra and Anna almost stumbled and dropped him in the grass. Corwin, he cried. Where's Corwin? I've got him, dumbass. Stop making it harder for us to carry you. Alexandra was cradling Larry's owl in her arms. She didn't know how badly it was hurt. She knew firsthand that the curse of a mistletoe wand could be felt through a familiar by its owner, but she didn't know what happened when it went in the other direction. Larry mumbled, Is he all right? He's alive. That was all she could tell him. She could feel the owl's tiny heartbeat, but it had barely moved since she'd picked it up. Through the gray haze of rain, Chambridge Academy was like a light seen through pebbled glass. They reached an entrance, and Alexandra told Mary to open the door. Mary hesitated, then reached obediently for the door, moving like a clockwork with worn gears. Larry muttered, Little bitch cursed me. Shut up, Larry. Alexandra and Anna wrestled him through the door, looking down the hallway to see if anyone was around. They closed the door quickly, leaving Jingwei and Charlie out in the rain. Alexandra felt bad about that, but the birds would cope with the weather. Mary immediately slid to the floor with her back against one wall and covered her face with her hands. Alexandra and Anna gently lowered Larry to the floor, leaning against the opposite wall. Alexandra crouched next to him. You don't look as bad as Sonia did when Darla cursed her. Larry's eyes were glazed over, but they still flashed with anger. Do you think <sighs> this is a joke? No, you have to go to the infirmary. Mrs. Murphy will know how to treat you. What are you going to tell her? What? 
Larry looked at her in disbelief. I'm going to tell her she... He pointed at Mary. She's just a dumb kid, Larry. She wanted to curse me with the mistletoe wand because she blames me for Darla's death. If you turn her in, Dean Grimm will probably expel her, and she'll be lucky not to get taken away from her family thanks to the Wodamned Act. Mary lifted her head, sniffling. Anna remained silent, but she was obviously seething with unspoken words. Larry coughed. <coughs> so, she should go to Erie Island, like you. All right. Alexandra held the mistletoe wand in front of his nose. Then tell Mrs. Murphy I did it. What? Anna exclaimed. You're insane, Larry said. And I don't believe you'd take the blame for someone else's curse. Then tell Mrs. Murphy you were out dueling with your friends and someone got you good with a curse, Alexandra said. You know Mrs. Murphy doesn't ask too many questions as long as there's no serious injury. Even if she suspects one of your friends used a mistletoe wand on you, you can say you won't snitch. She'll just give you a lecture because the dean doesn't like the WJD getting involved at Charmbridge. Why the hell? Larry pressed a hand to his chest and gulped. Why would I say that? Why would I cover for any of you? Because you won our duel, Alexandra said in a flat voice. What? Larry and Anna gasped together. You won, Alexandra said. I went out to the woods to duel you, and you beat me. That means I have to keep the terms we agreed to. Her face was as expressionless as her voice. You're crazy, Larry said. I could have you expelled. Probably not. Dean Grimm will uncover the whole truth if she really starts digging. You could have Mary expelled, but... You and I will probably just get detention, maybe probation. What do you care about Mary besides that she got you by surprise? And if you do turn her in, everyone will know a sixth grade girl dropped the Charmbridge dueling champion. Pretty embarrassing if you ask me. Larry's eyes were wide with incredulity. Mary still had her arms resting on her knees, but she was watching Alexandra and Larry. Alexandra lifted Corwin gently in her other arm and handed the owl to Larry. You can have Mary, or you can have me. You decide. She looked at Anna. Can you get him to the infirmary? I think he can walk with your help. Anna opened her mouth and looked as if she wanted to protest, but couldn't get any words out. I don't get it. Larry's voice faltered as he looked down at his familiar. Corwin fluttered his wings and made a soft sound. Alexandra shrugged and stood up. She faced Anna. Please, she mouthed soundlessly. What about her? Anna whispered, tilting her head toward Mary. I'll deal with her. We'll talk later. Alexandra took Anna's hands. Please, she whispered. Anna swallowed and nodded, though Alexandra knew that she didn't understand or approve. Alexandra grabbed Larry's arm and helped him to his feet. He was racked with tremors and his arms and legs twitched, but he tried to walk without assistance. He wasn't successful, and Anna half walked, half stumbled down the hall with the taller boy leaning against her, one arm around her and the other cradling his owl. Mary looked up at Alexandra, shivering. She was a bedraggled mess. Her black hair was like a tangle of wet grass sticking to her face. Her cloak and robes were muddy and plastered with leaves. The side of her face was covered with blood, and a lot of it had dripped onto her cloak as well. Fresh red blood was still oozing out of the cut where Jing Wei had torn open her cheek. Alexandra squatted and examined it. The gash was deeper than it had first appeared. 
What are you going to do with me? Mary asked. This cut is going to scar. Mrs. Murphy might be able to fix it, but I'm not sure. Mary flinched, as if she'd only noticed the pain of the cut once Alexandra mentioned it. I can move it somewhere else, Alexandra said. It will still hurt, but it will be less visible. Would you prefer a scar on your arm or your leg? Mary blinked, and her eyes lost a little of their glassiness. My, my arm? Okay, hold still. The pain is going to move along with the wound. Alexandra moved her wand Wittershins around the cut and cast a wound-relocating charm. Mary Winston clutched her left arm. Blood immediately began soaking through her sleeve. Alexandra wiped away the blood from Mary's now unmarked face. She pulled Mary's sleeve down and cast one of the small healing charms Maximilian had taught her to stop bleeding. Next she stood up, and pointing her wand at the girl, said, Exoresco. Steam billowed away. Alexandra had to cast the spell twice before Mary was dry, leaving her still covered with dirt and leaves. Mary looked down at herself, then up at Alexandra. Aren't you going to curse me? she asked. Why would I do that? Mary's head dropped again. Alexandra sat down next to her. I'll make you a deal, she said. You tell me about John Mammolito. Everything, from the moment you first heard his name until tonight. She turned her head to look into the other girl's eyes. And I'll tell you about Darla. A year ago, the summer before Darla Dearborn started eighth grade, she had sworn her little sister to secrecy. Mother and father wouldn't understand, she told Mary. You know how they are, especially after what Hillary did. Mary had nodded solemnly, though she didn't really understand. Of course she knew how upset their parents had been when their eldest daughter had eloped with a muggle-born boy, and Hillary hadn't just eloped. She and her new husband had formally unregistered themselves from the Confederation census, declaring themselves no longer part of the wizarding world. James Constantine and Mildred Gabriella Dearborn whispered about scandals and the judgment of Chicago's pure-blood society, but Darla and Mary were most upset that their oldest sister had gone and gotten married without even inviting them to the wedding. Darla had been acting dark and moody ever since she came home from her second year at Charmbridge. Mary didn't know exactly what had happened, but Darla had gotten in big trouble at school. Mary had been secretly delighted that Darla would have to stay home and go to a day school. She adored her big sister and had tried to copy everything she did for as long as she could remember, and now Darla was spending extra time with her, letting her borrow her clothes and lavishing her with attention. But gradually Mary realized that Darla was exchanging owls with someone in secret, and even sneaking out of their mansion late at night. Mary suspected a boyfriend, and worried that Darla might elope too, leaving her all alone with their angry, disappointed parents. She even thought about telling their parents, but knew Darla would never forgive her if she did that. Then their father and their uncle Gideon, whom everyone else knew as Congressman Gideon Titus Dearborn, did something to permit Darla to return to Jarmbridge Academy for eighth grade, so Darla had gone off to school again. Mary saw Darla three more times after that, when she came home for Thanksgiving, winter, and spring break. Each time, Darla seemed more pale and anxious. Even her parents realized something was wrong, but none of them knew what it was. Darla wanted to spend practically every moment with Mary on her final visit over the spring break. She gave me a present before she went back to school, Mary said. 
Her voice was choked with tears, but she had spoken at length, and Alexandra had listened quietly without interrupting. Mary fished around in her pockets and produced a clear glass sphere. She held it up, and red mist appeared in its center, gradually forming a solid shape. Alexandra swallowed as she saw Darla's face smiling gaily. She said it was so I'd never forget her face, so I could remember her forever. Mary closed her eyes, and her shoulders shook. I know I'd never see her again. Alexandra closed her own eyes and waited. An Auror from the Wizard Justice Department had been the one to deliver the news to Darla's parents. By the time Darla came home from her private elementary school, the Auror had come and gone, and it was Dean Grimm herself paying a condolence call to the Dearborn residence. Mr. and Mrs. Dearborn were grief-stricken and in shock, and Mary had known, she had just known, as soon as she saw the icy woman standing in their living room that Darla was dead, even before she took in her mother's red eyes, her father's ashen face, and the screaming of Nat upstairs. Nat? Alexandra had not interrupted until now. Our house elf. He helped Darla. We only found that out afterward. Alexandra started to say, I know, but instead asked, Is he all right? What happened to him? Mary looked at her strangely, the first time she'd looked directly at Alexandra since beginning her tale. He misses Darla almost as much as I do. She narrowed her eyes. He was the one who told me it was your fault Darla died. I promised Nat I'd save her, Alexandra thought. She had saved Darla from the lands below, and from damning herself with a pact with the generous ones. But she hadn't been able to save Darla in the end, and she supposed to Nat it made no difference how and why she had failed. She had promised to save his Darla, yet Darla was dead. How did John Mamolito come into this? she asked. Did Darla ever tell you who her boyfriend was? No. Mary put the glass sphere back into her pocket and took a deep breath, then resumed her story. She hadn't been told the circumstances of Darla's death. She heard the rumors that Darla was involved in dark activities, what she didn't believe until Hillary returned for Darla's funeral and took her youngest sister aside during one of the brief moments they had away from their parents' eyes. Hillary told Mary that Darla had gotten mixed up with some bad people who led her into dark arts, the same path Hillary had taken when she was at school. Hillary had eventually broken away from that coven, but she hadn't warned Darla about it, and she blamed herself. She made Mary promise not to ever become mixed up in dark arts, and also to let her know if she ever wanted to run away from home. Mary hadn't seen Hillary since, though her sisters sent letters occasionally which came in muggle envelopes with muggle postage stamps on them. Even before Darla's funeral, Mary had heard of Alexandra quick. She knew Alexandra was one of Darla's classmates, and the daughter of a famous dark wizard, and the Dearborns didn't approve of her being at Charmbridge with their daughter. Darla herself hadn't talked about her very much. But after the funeral, Mary heard Alexandra's name mentioned or whispered more often, and it was Nat who told her that he'd been at Charmbridge just before Darla died, and that Alexandra had been there, too. He said you promised to save her, but you came out of the basements alive and Darla didn't. That's true, Alexandra said. But finish telling me about John and I'll tell you the rest. He sent me an owl right before Darla's funeral. It was a really long letter about how he'd been close to Darla and taking care of her while he was in school before you got him expelled. He said he knew a lot of things my parents didn't know or wouldn't tell me, 
and that he could tell me what happened to Darla. But he was worried about getting in trouble, so he'd only write again if I promised to keep our letters a secret. Mary had agreed, and John had continued to write to her. He knew so many things about Darla, and he told me about you. Mary's voice became accusing again. How you were a sorceress who seduced Darla with dark arts and got her expelled. How you'd been cursing people and causing trouble, and you were even responsible for people dying. Darla followed you because you were popular, and you were good at getting other people to go along with you. Alexandra stifled a bitter laugh. Did he mention that he was the leader of the Moore's Mortis Society? He said he dabbled a little bit with dark arts, the way most kids do. But when he realized that Darla was getting involved with the really dangerous stuff, he tried to get her to stop. But she wouldn't because she wanted to be as good as you, and you were always taunting her. Alexandra put her elbows on her knees and stared at her feet as she listened to the rest of the story. In John Mammolito's twisted version, delivered to the naive, grieving eleven-year-old, he was the concerned friend who had been unable to pull Darla free of Alexandra's seductive charisma. He continued exchanging letters with Darla and saw her when he could, but she was too deeply involved with dark arts and with Alexandra. Alexandra was the leader, the one who controlled and manipulated others, and when she lured Darla into joining her for an unspeakable ritual in Charmbridge's basement, a ritual involving human sacrifice, it was Darla who didn't survive. But the influence of Alexandra's father protected her from retribution. The enemy of the Confederation was somehow able to bribe or intimidate everyone from Confederation officials to the Dean of Charmbridge Academy. "'John told me he wanted vengeance,' Mary whispered, and I did too. In his owls, he taught Mary how to obtain forbidden items like mistletoe wands in the Goblin Market. He supplied her with books teaching her magic no one was supposed to know, let alone a sixth grader who'd just received her wand and he asked her to spy on Alexandra, to tell him anything she learned about Alexandra's activities, her associates, her plans. After the cursed letter failed, he said you were too well protected, Mary said. He was angry at me. He said I didn't really care enough about my sister to avenge her, because I wouldn't do everything he asked. What else did he want you to do? Mary bit her lip. Her fingers clutched the fabric of her robes around her knees. Before he attacked you with the crows... I was supposed to fall off the invisible bridge to distract the chaperones. He said I wouldn't be in any danger because they'd catch me. She sniffed. But I was too scared to do it. He had other ideas like poison, curses, luring you into the basement and using garroting gas. But I read about it and garroting gas won't usually kill someone before it drifts away. He said I could finish you off. Mary shook. I spied on you using Darla's oral amplifying drops and I tried to do some of the other things John suggested, but she began crying again. He said we could have gotten you if I wasn't so weak and cowardly. Darla probably hates me wherever she is, because you're still alive and she isn't. Mary buried her face in her arms and sobbed, while Alexandra clenched her fists so tightly her nails dug into her palms. A part of her wanted to put an arm around the younger girl, to try to comfort her, but she knew that this she could not do. He's a liar, Alexandra said, when Mary's sobs had been replaced by deep, racking breaths. Everything John told you was a lie, but especially that. Mary took a handkerchief out of another pocket in her robes and blew her nose. John is the coward, Alexandra said. He hid outside the wards around the school, 
and trying to get you to do his dirty work. Mary sniffled. Then quietly, she said, You said you'd tell me how Darla died. Echoes from older students coming inside and talking as they walked through the school reached Alexandra and Mary in the hallway. Alexandra leaned around the corner to peek down the corridor leading into the main part of the school. From where they were sitting, not far from the door, they could still hear rain outside, but they were alone in this part of the building. She sat back against the wall, stared at the opposite wall, and began. Mary deserved to know the truth, but there were parts of the truth that she couldn't know. She couldn't know about the generous ones. She couldn't know about the deathly regiment. Alexandra doubted Mary would be able to keep silent if she found out what had been in store for her and what Darla's death had truly represented. And so Alexandra did what she did best. Even though she kept telling herself she wouldn't, she mixed truth with lies and told Mary an edited version of what had happened in Charmbridge's basements. Mary would know about the lands below and innocence from Nat, so Alexandra told her that Darla had intended to leave innocence there, having been told by John that there were powers in the lands below who would reward her for gifting them with a mortal child. She did not mention the generous ones, or that Darla had actually intended to kill innocence. Darla's death, Alexandra said, was the result of her trying to reopen the portal to the lands below, thinking to push her and innocence through it. But the portal she opened went somewhere else, and she went through. Alexandra was trying to keep her story close to the truth. Mary was listening so intently, she knew she didn't dare exaggerate or improvise too much. She thought it was the only way to undo what she'd done. She told Mary the rest, then said, John tricked Darla, taught her a bunch of rituals while lying to her about what they actually did. He bewitched Darla and made her do things she never would have done if not for him. This was straying further from the truth, but Alexandra figured she could at least pin the blame on someone who deserved it in a way that might give Mary some comfort. Mary was silent for a long time after hearing Alexandra's story. Then she said, You really tried to save her? Yes. I tried to keep her from going through to the other side. She didn't have to. You would have died instead, but Darla didn't have to. Even though she tried to kill you? Yes. Alexandra's own voice was hoarse now. Do you swear that's the truth? Yes, on my witch's honor. The last part, at least, was true. Mary was silent again. After they listened to the rain pounding against the door some more, Mary asked, What's going to happen to me? If you stay away from Dark Arts and John Mambolito, I think you'll be okay. No more mistletoe wands, and... Alexandra lowered her voice. Don't ever cast an unforgivable again or even hint at it. Swear that you won't, Mary. They were finally looking at each other. Mary's eyes were red and her face was a runny mess, but there was a quiet intensity in her gaze that reminded Alexandra unnervingly of her sister. I swear, Mary said at last. She looked away, then she rose slowly to her feet. We can't be friends, Alexandra, she said, still looking away. We can't ever be friends. Alexandra said, I know. Mary stood there a moment, 
then trudged around the corner and down the hall toward the dorms. She wasn't dripping wet anymore, but her appearance might still be noticed by the hall monitor portrait. Alexandra rested her head against the wall behind her, rubbing her eyes with her fingertips. Darla had never had any problems sneaking about. If Mary couldn't avoid getting caught, Alexandra couldn't do much more for her. Eventually, she got to her own feet and returned to her room. Anna was pacing the room when Alexandra opened the door. Anna had let both their familiars in. Jingwei was in her cage, and Charlie was perched in the opposite corner of the room, watching the owl suspiciously. When Alexandra entered, the raven fluttered to her shoulder and pecked her. Ow! Alexandra pet the bird and received another peck to her fingers. Stop it! Troublesome vexes, troublesome woes, Charlie said. Alexandra lifted Charlie off her shoulder and into the much smaller cage that was more of a shield than a confinement when Jingwei was in the room. She turned to Anna. Are you going to peck me too? That's not funny. Anna wasn't just unamused, she was angry. Alexandra sat down on the edge of her bed. Did Larry say anything else? Not to me. I didn't stay to listen once I got into the infirmary. Alexandra exhaled. All right, you're right. I shouldn't have gone out there to duel him. It was stupid, it was reckless. I let my ego get in the way of my common sense. That's a start, Anna said, only a little mollified. But I still don't think you get it. I get it, Anna. I endangered myself. I endangered you. She didn't add that she'd only endangered Anna because she'd allowed her to come along. What did you think you were doing? I'm not talking about Larry. I'm talking about Mary. Mary wasn't going to kill me. How can you say that? She used a mistletoe. Anna fell silent, but her face grew angrier as Alexandra hushed her long enough to cast a Muffliato spell and then locked the door to the bathroom. Oh, right she said when Alexandra was done. Now you take precautions. Alexandra folded her arms. Do you have a death wish? Anna lowered her voice despite the spell. She learned the killing curse. She was going to use it on you. No, she wasn't. She didn't have it in her. How do you know that? She thinks you killed her sister. I knew, Anna. I knew when I saw her face. She was crazy with grief, and that made her do stupid things. You know I know what that's like, but she's not a killer. Darla wasn't really a killer, and Mary isn't as far gone as Darla was. You could tell all that just by looking at her face? Anna folded her arms back, unconvinced. You bet your life on that. What if you were wrong? If Mary had actually tried to cast the killing curse at me, I seriously doubt she'd have killed me. Darla wasn't able to, and I don't think Mary is stronger than Darla. So maybe she'd have given me a bloody nose. She might have knocked me out. I don't think she'd have had the nerve to keep trying to kill me, and it's not like you would have just stood there watching, right? You sure sound certain, considering you had no idea she'd be there in the first place. What if you were wrong? What should I have done, Anna? Besides not go out there in the first place, I know that. Should I have just smacked her down as soon as I saw her? Yes! Alexandra was startled at Anna's reaction and more startled when Anna sat down in her own bed and began crying. Only your friends know how you keep risking your life, Alex, Anna sobbed, and we can't make you stop. I wasn't... Alexandra stopped. She crossed the room and put her arms around her friend. I'm sorry, I really have been trying not to be so high-headed. 
But you have to trust me, Anna. I had to do what I did with Mary. I couldn't just blast her and drag her to the dean's office. I thought. Alexandra sat back. You didn't kill Darla, Anna said softly. Her death isn't your fault. You don't owe Mary your life for her sisters. Alexandra shook her head. Is that what you think I think? Mary was manipulated. It wasn't her who's been trying to kill me. I was right all along. It's John Mammolito. Anna let Alexandra tell her the rest, everything she had learned from Mary. When she was finished, Anna said, You should tell Miss Grimm. I've already told Miss Grimm that John Mammolito was out there, and she knows someone is definitely trying to kill me. If I tell her what happened last night, all of us will get in trouble for being out after curfew at the very least. But you know I'll get the worst punishment except Mary. She'll be expelled. I know, Anna, maybe she deserves it, but... Alexandra's voice trailed off. You feel responsible for her because of Darla. Alexandra's voice was very quiet. I said I'd save Darla, and I didn't. It doesn't matter that it wasn't my fault. She's still dead, and she died to save her sister. The least I can do is try to protect her sister a little. Anna shook her head slowly. You're even more stubborn and frustrating when you're being noble. Alexandra smiled and looked down. Anna said, So you're going to do nothing? I'm going to be more careful, and I'm going to watch out for John Mammolito. Alexandra's smile faded. I don't know why he wants me dead, but I'm sure he'll try again, and I'm going to do everything I can to be ready for him. Anna shivered a little at whatever she saw in Alexandra's face. John Mammolito. Alexandra's thoughts were dark indeed. For months she had been threatened by an unseen nemesis against whom she could not strike back. Now she knew for certain who her enemy was. And John hadn't just tried to kill her. He'd seduced Darla and tried to lure Darla's sister along the same path. Both the Dearborn girls had been pawns of a cunning, dangerous psychopath. John couldn't have believed that an eleven-year-old would be able to commit cold-blooded murder. He'd used Mary to get information and make a few attempts on Alexandra's life from a safe distance, and when Mary was no longer useful, he'd cruelly twisted the knife of her grief for his own amusement. Through all of her trials in the past three years, Alexandra had never had someone she could blame for her suffering who was still alive and at large, waiting for vengeance to be delivered. Now she did. She swore to herself that John Mammolito was going to get what he deserved. End of chapter 12 For the full text of this and other stories, as well as news and updates about Alexandra Quick, visit inverarity.livejournal.com. For more information about this podcast, visit samgabrielvo.com slash alexandraquick. I am also easy to find on the Alexandra Quick subreddit and Discord server, where you can hear me record episodes live. Troublesome, composed by Dr. James Benikoff. Charmbridge, composed and performed by Tyler Parsons. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes or whichever podcast service you prefer. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.